Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Inspiration Point. I'm Andrew. And I'm Adam. How's your week going, buddy? Uh, yeah, I'm glad to be doing this show. Last night had a D&D session. Um, yes, we that, did. You know, I, I always have fun doing that. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Um, <laughs> no, I can't stop. It's, it's, we're trying not to. Um, it's worse that you. We're teaching. Yeah, it's we're worse training. that you, you made me hyper aware and now I can't stop. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the beginning of improvement. Work has been interesting. Mm. I teach high school and we are doing our best to make life as livable as possible for our students. That sounds We're like it's to, probably difficult. It's not going well. Um, students are very much not motivated these days Can't and it's understandable. Them. Yeah. You know, there's something about having to get up in the morning, having to get your shoes on, eat your breakfast. Well, a lot of them don't eat breakfast, but theoretically eat breakfast mm -hmm. and get out the door and go to a place early in the morning when it's not comfortable Ugh. to be productive and have a day. Now, many of them still waste time there and, you know, it, it is what it is. And, sure. But it's a challenge. We, we, we try to make things as good as possible. And it, it relates to DMing to me in a lot of ways because you're essentially trying to deliver information mm. in an entertaining fun way that they will remember yeah that's and easier said than done it's yeah it's very difficult so you think running a party of six people's hard? oh my god um try to get 30 kids to care about economics uh. <laughs> but you know there's some really killer teachers out there there's some real great dms out there oh but sometimes no matter how much work you put in you just don't feel like you've communicated you don't feel like you nailed your goal and that can be frustrating i so believe it. i am feeling both contemplative but also a little frustrated uh well i'm sorry you're you're dealing with that but at the same time you're it, it feels like you're approaching it the right way like you're not you don't sound like you're too much in your head like you're you're bummed that you know that it didn't maybe go as well as yeah. you'd hoped but you know you're you're not letting it get you down or anything no i'm trying to learn and i want to grow and i want to do better and that's you know we sh we should all we should but all having be said that, that disciplined i am very happy to be here doing this show because this is a very doable part of my week let's call it that <laughs> right i'm i'm glad that it is at least that for sure Sometimes fun, I think, becomes synonymous with, I know for a fact I can do this thing. Oh, you bet. <laughs> you bet. I mean, confidence and just the the surety of, like, I'm not going to fail at this thing. It's like, oh, that's, you know, pressure's off. Okay. Now I can hear everybody thinking, wait, no, challenges are very good. We want those. No. Yes, true. Oh. But sometimes it's fun to just way. win. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no shut but sometimes it's, it's good to feel powerful shut, right shut the challenges off it's you know getting challenged all the time will uh just exhaust you what if i just showed up did one attack roll and all the monsters died oh that is that fine Woo! especially after <laughs> last night i'd be down <laughs> for that sort of thing you i'm bet. sure you would <laughs> oh my I, god yeah 
intense. Yeah, there was a lot of intensity. It was not the most happy Andrew time, I know. Yeah, but they can't all be. I understand. They can't all be. And we've had some good Andrew episodes. Oh, for sure. I I definitely don't uh don't fault or blame anything that went down last night. We all did our darndest in that and you know, we we finished the the session mid fight cuz cuz Andrew has to get up with kids and and he needs some sleep. <laughs> but uh it man, it just it felt it felt so tight and we're strung out on resources and things are just uh we we are kind of literally and figuratively boxed in or in a tight place we're having to think creatively and um mm, sorry about that you shouldn't be um uh, <laughs> but it's it, it's a brain squeeze for sure and mm-hmm. and it's um get all those juices out i this is a family show <laughs> brain juices brain juices brain juices i said only the brain juices yeah mm. Mm, brain juices so yeah yeah it's uh we're uh we're actually mind flayers spoiler alert the um, nicest mind flayers been, you'd ever hope to meet the we have been the whole time <laughs> I do not say blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Sorry. Andrew and I both have kids. We watch a lot of kids' films. Yeah. Um, Kid TV. So how about you? I've been talking about myself. How's, how are you feeling? I'm I'm okay. The kids got up early this morning, so I was just like, you know, it was, it was a tired day for me. Um, but overall, not bad. I gave the kids a bath tonight because... We go over and play in the backyard at my in-law's place, and I swear, my kids, they play hard, and they get filthy, just dirt smudges everywhere, and so we got home, and it was like, all right, it's bath time, and after like 20 minutes of showering these kids down, like, there's like not a dry spot on my floor, even though I'm trying to use the shower curtain. <laughs> it's just like by the time they get done it feels like they're clean but i'm like soaked and <laughs> like just like you have to get cleaned up I'm, after cleaning them. yeah i'm just a freaking total mess um but it's it's always satisfying seeing those little buggers all squeaky clean and ready for bed so seeing uh seeing that the kids are clean and happy and safe is uh it's a good feeling so i'm a I'm a happy dad. It's it's a good feeling when you see your young ones having a good time, being healthy. Yeah. Being clean, being happy. Yeah, it really is. Those are good things, man. They really are. They really are. So I'm happy. I'm in a good place. I'm, uh, I'm ready to have a nice show tonight. I also got a fun gift this week. Ooh. Uh, my friend Andrew sent me uh, a book about Cyberpunk 2077. Oh, yeah. Which I am very much, I am very much looking forward to that game. While I enjoyed the book, I dare say the game is going to be an even better experience. Oh yeah, I I think I think that, and I'm not done with the book yet. I'm still uh, I'm reading through the descriptions uh, or I really kind of articles about the different places in uh mm-hmm. in the game and yeah i i think that the game experience will be 
strongly enhanced by having read this and going in and knowing some history about the place. And like, you know, I, I think it'll really help anyone who's read it feel more at home with uh or rather in the setting of the game i i'm loving it so far there there i think i would agree with that i think there's a lot of things where they use terms that i didn't know yeah and now i now i know what they what they mean um and usually the first character i ever make for an rpg i scrap pretty quickly really yeah no matter which game it is a divinity mass effect dragon age it it, you know doesn't matter the first time i try to make a character for a role-playing game it's a unmitigated disaster really my i didn't know my build is i know right i don't think i've ever mentioned it uh because it doesn't take me long to re-roll hmm once i start going every battle is a slog and i am never successful without uh, reloading the game several times like i know something's gone wrong that's that's interesting with, with i always try to second, muscle through yeah so i start over and usually with a second character exponentially more more uh well less difficult i should say more enjoyable in it at any rate and definitely more enjoyable and i don't Maybe it's just because I understand the system better. Yeah, it, I don't. It took me an embarrassingly long time to realize how the health and defense systems in Divinity were working. They and they can be w- tricky. And once I figured it out, it was fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but that first playthrough was brutal, and that first character was trash. Yeah, they can. <laughs> there, there's a little bit of puzzliness to those things, like um, you know. It, and and it kind of makes you wish that you know that's some of these RPGs didn't use systems that were so opaque. I mean it 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 goes to it goes to show how valuable a good tutorial section of the game is. Like oh yeah, this is how you use this thing. This is you know why this is there and blah 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 blah. Um, and if it can be as baked into the narrative, yep as possible without feeling obnoxious if i can avoid a lot of endless dialogue boxes and i know that they exist for a reason yeah. and i know that a lot of times they're being added after the fact yep. that if you want to get the game this month and not in six months maybe you just live with boxes yep but yeah i sure love me a well-crafted thoughtful loving tutorial yeah it's yeah a good tutorial <laughs> section is you sent me that article today too about its awards that it's getting oh, that's very encouraging baby, yeah well i mean it's CD i don't Project mind Red, waiting for a man. game those guys well that's true but then again bioware oh you know the mighty the mighty can fall don't 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 invoke the bioware <laughs> <laughs> i just but just you can make some of the greatest role-playing games of all time and botch it you know i i think i think some of that also though comes from how how long the um the the company has been making certain things like like the bioware of old even into like mass effect and stuff when they were still like really doing well a lot of the people that made like bioware great a lot of them were were well gone by that point you know so you have you have so many people you know moving in and out of 
That's of true. these big companies that um you know it's it, but i also think there is a certain level of cynicism that began to creep in and i think success can breed laziness yeah to to a degree or you begin to rely on the wrong things or you get too much input from your publisher yep. who starts making certain demands that they know what is going to maximize sales yeah and often sales come at the expense of fans yeah which in my opinion ends up being a loss in long-term sales but sure we don't often think in the long term we think in quarterly profits these days and that's yeah I, I think not for the better i think i think that uh at the very least uh cd project red has the advantage of kind of being its own house like i as far as i understand and i i could be wrong uh but as far as i know the entire company is only working on one game at a time that's good. which is really great and they are hardcore quality focused like they've delayed cyberpunk like two maybe three times now much to my chagrin um and yeah we, i think we're both giving them the benefit of the doubt absolutely. right like we're because witcher 3 was amazing oh. the news has been very encouraging that art book's beautiful yep. they're winning awards like regardless they're putting out a lot of videos and press releases mm -hmm. there are there's a lot to watch there's a lot to consume you could spoil a lot of that game already oh yeah. at least um the first couple of levels you could spoil a lot for yourself so that's very encouraging to me because they don't seem afraid to show what they're doing you bet yeah the, so i think there's like a there's like a, a a sample mission out there that uh came out i want to say early early this year maybe it was late last year but it's like a 45 minute straight up mission playthrough and it looks so solid like everything is gorgeous and the gameplay looks freaking just tight as a drum you know the the mm. gunplay looks terrific just the even even cool is a stat yeah cool is a stat and and that to me is very encouraging because that tells me that they're thinking a little bit outside the box well cool there. as a stat is also part of the cyberpunk 2020 rpg that this is based on oh, from uh never mind <laughs> so like we need to play us some cyberpunk probably um, yeah probably um we do know a guy we do know a guy i'm sure he would do it uh, uh maybe oh that'd be we might need to pay him um <laughs> might be worth paying for <laughs> might be actually yeah anyway i you know i actually want to uh at some point maybe maybe even in, in the next couple episodes do a uh do a an inspiration point just on specifically what we are pumped for for cyberpunk 2077 um so yeah we can I th well, let's face it. In that first week it comes out, we're not going to do any research. We're we're literally just going to play the hell out of that thing. Yeah, we and, also probably uh, won't do an episode. <laughs> it'll be just me and Andrew sitting there, like half playing the game and going, "Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah." Mm -hmm. At each other while we pretend to pay attention while we're still playing it. But that's fine because the time in which you would normally be listening to us, you'll yeah, you just be, be playing it too. So we'll all be in the same cyberpunky boat, sailing, right. 
running the net. That's yeah. going to be sick. All right. So without any further ado, Adam, what's your inspiration point, my man? Well, speaking of cyberpunk and that book that you gave me, I'm looking through it and I'm the thing that's even more encouraging to me, other than the artwork, although the artwork plays a big role, is what they're writing about. And I care about ideas. And it is clear to me, and this also pleases me as a teacher, that they have done their homework. Yeah, I was getting that sense, too. You know, this this may wind up kind of overlapping into some of the stuff that I'm hyped about for the game because yeah yeah so you we both like to design games and we also like to draw um although we both draw less than we should myself but far less (laughs) there is a principle that exists in both art and design which is to ground design in reality oh yeah reference 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 you know you we've we've all created like fantasy creatures and we think, well, I, this creature is just made up and I get to draw them and, and make them look like what I want because it's fantasy. It's not real. Nah. And then you, and then you draw it and you're like, this does not look right at all. This looks very bad, very bad. And it's because we're used to seeing certain forms in life and there is a logic and, uh, you know, to how we perceive physics. And when we look at a dragon, we're still looking for, familiar things right we're still looking for you know does the leg anatomy make any sense okay you can't just tack wings onto this like the trog you're drawing but um how do how does how do they fit into the back muscles does it make sense that there's a skeleton in there well and even back in the day in the 3.5 days one of the books that came out for 3.5 was the Draconomicon. I think I actually have it over on my shelf somewhere. And that book yeah. is freaking cool. And one of the things they do is an actual anatomical breakdown of dragons. And they actually show those exact things you're talking about, how the musculature works and the skeleton and all this stuff. And it it really goes miles into, you know, toward making these fake creatures seem very, very real and believable. I think that's the key word there is believable, yeah. right? Because when we're looking at that dragon, we're really looking at, you know, cat parts and wolf parts and maybe gorilla parts and lizard parts, you know, mm-hmm. and they're they're all coming together. Even human anatomy plays a part. And there's a lot of similarities between animal and human anatomy. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, part of the reason why science students cut open fetal pigs and frogs, right? It's because they're learning about um, humans Mm -hmm. in a way, right? They're learning about how body systems work and organic creatures have, you know, evolved in a certain way that you see common similarities among a lot of creatures, right? right? There's a lot of differences too, but there's a lot of, common threads and yet we still want to fantasize we still want to make new things Mm -hmm. but we must ground those things in in reality and the same is true when we're designing worlds when we're writing agree if we are creating a kingdom but you do not know anything about politics you do not know anything about governments you do not know anything about a nobility or hereditary um you know i'm not saying it's impossible or that you would necessarily fail but it would definitely be a disadvantage Mm -hmm. and it might not sound fun (laughs) to uh read a history book but you know you might like it more than you realize 
You know, I and I actually not you specifically. <laughs> I actually heard um I think I think it was uh Colin Moriarty who was mm. uh he was the lead editor for IGN for a long time and then he was with uh kind of funny and then I he started his own uh project over on YouTube called Colin's Last Stand and uh Mm-hmm. As as well as being uh, like a major game buff, he's also a big history and politics uh, student. And mm-hmm. I remember him saying once that anyone who thought history was boring had a bad teacher because yeah. all it's, history. It's honestly like the easiest class to make exciting. Yeah. And all history is is stories about That's people true. and people are interesting. And if you can get to the human aspect of history or find ways where you can relate to the story, like any good story, it can be very interesting. But if you're just getting a bunch of dates listed at you and someone's saying, this date is significant, it's like, oh, man, I'm I'm really buying that, <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, and... You know, theoretically, most of us probably didn't go to college to study games. I mean, you and I did. Sure. But even there, we had to study a lot more. Mm -hmm. And we still had to go to high school. um, And we should continue our education afterwards. Right. right? Whether that's formal or or self-inflicted, I might (laughs) say. It's a good way to say Um, it. But we, we shouldn't stop learning, right? But let's say that you don't have any time to do this stuff and you don't have any time to go to game school, right? You you took a real degree like a real person, like your your mother asked. Not like us. We're just not like us. We are, disappointments. <laughs> please do not do what we did. Um, But anyway. Word um, to the wise. Word to the wise. Study a real thing. Um, But these things, if you have this hobby to play role-playing games, you know, congratulations. You just did a whole bunch of research. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, they, they say write what you know, and there is something to that i have had to make uh, a lot of study of government and economics so i implement them into my games and i think they make my worlds a little bit more believable right there are some holes because my knowledge is not complete and i'm only willing to spend so much time yeah i mean you're (laughs) you're still just one person but at least those aspects when you run across those you go all right that that feels feels real it feels like an actual thing because it is an actual thing it's based on something concrete that exists in our world that we can all relate to to you know smaller or larger degrees and it helps flesh out these fantasy worlds in a much more um in a way that is much easier for us as people who live here on planet earth to appreciate well and i know you care about immersion i don't know where you got that idea (laughs) and immersion you know i I think is enhanced by that reality right we we want things to be believable even when things that are surprising happen we still want to be able to look at that and go oh i see it now Mm -hmm. you know i think everybody's irritated with the current trend in hollywood of subverting expectations yeah and it's not that the subversion of expectation itself is bad but it is that it is done at the cost of foreshadow Um, it is done almost in a way that feels arbitrary 
and done for its own sake. Right. Subversion and, for subversion's sake. That's exactly what I was saying. Exactly. Yep. You know, like there's nothing wrong with subversion per se, but if there's no setup in your story, all you're doing is tricking your viewer for your own pleasure. But it's like when Bilbo asks Gollum what, what's in his pocket, right? It's not a real riddle. Right. It's just unfair, right? I don't know. Does he do that in the books? No. This is literally from the cartoon he, that I remember. He does. He does. He does do that. Okay. And it's like Gollum straight up looks at him. He's like, you're not playing by the freaking rules, you jerk. <laughs> you can't do that. And he's like, there are implied rules here. Yeah. It's, man, he got poor little guy got taken for a ride but right and i think a lot of times as dms or as writers or anything else we can go haha gotcha right and then congratulations you you did it you knew a thing that you made up and no one else knew the thing yeah good job yeah right if you do a big plot twist to your party they need to be able to look back and go oh of course well and <laughs> and there also needs to be the very real chance that someone can see the plot twist coming if they've been paying yeah, attention sure. yeah you know like you know there are certain shows that have very dedicated fandoms oh yeah that spend a lot of time theory crafting for and sure. i feel like sometimes the authors get online and read them and decide not to do those things yeah and it's i would not encourage that yeah it's okay that someone figured out the plan yeah because that means you based it on reality, right? It means that you used logic, you used rules like cause and effect. They've been paying attention. And and people should be rewarded for that. It's like, oh, yeah. I've been I've been spending time thinking about your show beyond just watching it. Most of those people are like spending hours online, hitting up forums, having water cooler discussions, all this kind of stuff. And they're like, oh yeah, let's let's use our free time to think about this show or game or whatever and figure yeah. out these these mysteries that this writer's throwing at us and you know only to have yeah. that writer come along and go neener neener i don't want you to be right is it's a, yeah, it's what's a jerk move yeah well it's like why do you spend all this time trying to cultivate a fan base and then to spite them yeah yeah right secret ingredient is love we know that yep. we this is well established on this show on this fine program that's right certainly is so yeah you know it, it, yeah congratulate your your fans you know it's almost like if you're not the one that built the fandom if that fandom is simply handed to you mm. then you don't appreciate it yeah strange how that works it is so with the uh with what you were reading in cyberpunk you were saying that uh yeah. that they really seem like they did their homework what what were you looking at? Well, I, I think obviously the, the visuals are very flashy, oh, right? Terrific. And I, I open up the book and the first thing I see is the back of, of this guy's head and he's got this implant in his head. Mm -hmm. And the design on the, on the uh, let's call it a prosthetic, looks like a real product, oh, right? It yeah. doesn't look like someone drew a square and said it's a, you know, and then labeled it implant. Right. right. Like this, this thing reminded me of sunglasses. It reminded me of cameras. It reminded me of computer parts. It reminded me of cell phones. I was like, I don't know what this is, but I have seen this. Yeah. I have seen pieces of this many places. And that's true in the artwork. And then when you begin reading and it's like, here is how the fall of civilization, like this is this dystopia. 
here's how it came about. And I'm like, yep, makes sense. Yep. Mm -hmm. It all makes tracks. Sense. Mm -hmm. And they're like, here's this faction. This is what they care about. Yeah. Here's their ideas. They don't live up to it at all. And they just turned into this thing. Like, yeah, I believe you. Yep. Yeah, that was probably what would happen. Yep. You know, and even some of the stuff I was like, well, I don't love your direction there. And maybe that's a bit tropey, mm -hmm. but I see where you're going and I accept it. Right. It's it's at least more than plausible. I I I found myself yeah. at at the at the beginning when when they talk about like uh, like the the corporate wars and kind of the, yeah. the fall of civilization and everything. I I even read that first page to my wife. Cause I was like, I was like, babe, listen to this and tell me if this doesn't sound a little, almost a little too plausible. Like <laughs> I was reading it and going, you know, hmm, I, that could maybe happen. They, right. I was like, wow, this, I, I don't like how, how possible this seems in my <laughs> this head. Is. But that's going to create more tension for you. That's going to create more drama. Absolutely. That's going to create. And we like those things, even though they do make us worry a little bit. But maybe good stories can help us um, not make the worst decisions possible. Well, and that that's what they say. You know, those who those who don't study history are bound to repeat it. Doomed to repeat yeah. it. Yeah. Or something to that effect. Yeah. And you know what? There's more than history. We already, you know, mentioned a little bit about um, just physical design and art. Oh, yeah. Right. How, how do I make an aesthetic piece of equipment? It's like there's there's a philosophy behind that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, another thing that I've been studying a lot lately, lot, lot lately has been theology. Hmm. And that has been able to inform my ability to design a pantheon and a cosmology and a creation mythos in my in my world. Um, it has allowed me to inform myself of the motivations of various factions mm. who are very much um, in their minds within their right. They are the lawful good. Everyone believes they're awful. They're lawful good. Oh, sure. The bad guy never thinks he's the bad guy. Right. Never, never. I mean, maybe the chaotic evil guy does. He's like, I'm definitely the bad guy. And that's it. awesome. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I'm I'm chaotic awesome. Um, but I think a lot of really good villains, some of the best villains, believe they're lawful good or maybe chaotic good. Right. They they have to believe in their cause. And, you know, theology is really fascinating in that way. Here's a um here's a here's a specific question. To <laughs> sure. to that point, what would you say Joker is? Because I don't know uh, that you, you mean the Joker, the right? Joker. Like Oh, okay. What sorry, I went to persona in my head immediately. Oh no, the <laughs> Batman, the Joker. because uh, gotcha. I don't know that he himself that he sees himself as lawful good or even good. I don't even know if he believes in the concept of good. Yeah, not so much. I, I would label him as chaotic evil. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, it also depends on which version of him we're talking sure. about, because there are variations between, you know, ledger or comic books. And, you know, are, do you mean gold and silver or bronze age? Yeah. Um, you know, whose run are you talking about? Are you talking about uh, Nicholson? Are you talking about? Joaquin Phoenix. Um, Joaquin Phoenix, yeah. right? Which is an entirely different take. Yeah. But even though there are a lot of similarities, but I wouldn't say there's anything about theology with him, but I would say understanding psychology would be very important to yeah. 
writing a character like the Joker, I think philosophy also plays a huge role. Yeah. Uh, because ultimately I see him as an nihilist. Yeah. I, I think that he's a person that philosophically is convinced of nihilism. Like, I don't think he's just a, a rabid dog. I think that he believes that there is no purpose to anything and he wants to prove that. For anyone who's listening who isn't a philosophy buff or doesn't know what nihilism is what is it so you know nihilism is basically where you realize that life has no intrinsic meaning or purpose mm. and it is not necessarily your goal to make that purpose at least that's my understanding and maybe someone who's more of a philosophy guy than i am because you know i'm just a hobbyist really i i'm an onlooker and i i have tried to learn some of it but i would not call myself an expert by any means sure. um well that but i would say uh, uh, you know, essentially a nihilist is someone who goes, there's really no purpose and we don't necessarily need to make one. Yeah. So I, at least that's my interpretation. Yeah. Uh, th and that, that tracks with, um, with what I've heard. So. Sure. Um, so I, I have friends that are very positive people that consider themselves nihilists. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, they could come at me and, and tell me what they think, and we could talk about that. That'd be fine. Yeah. What I'm really fascinated about is that Theros, you know, has new schools of magic that are based around uh, Athenian philosophies. I have not I mean, looked through Theros at all. I'm So this is interesting to me. Well, well you know, understanding the various forms of uh, philosophies that exist um, that have been debated about, that have been talked about, like what would a society look like if it was entirely based around this idea? What if your God was based on these theological arguments? What if uh, your politics were defined by your theology or your philosophy? Mm -hmm. What would that look like? You know, um, understanding politics, understanding the nature of government itself. And we've talked about social contract on here, but not the social contract, right? Not the actual philosophy behind where government comes from and what gives it its legitimacy mm -hmm. you know this is all stuff that can deeply flavor your world and again i am not an expert in any of these things i went to game design school like andrew did okay but i've had to study some things i've had to defend myself in a lot of positions i have neither a theological nor a political let's call them popular stances <laughs> let's <laughs> So I've had to learn to defend myself a little bit, and uh, sometimes it comes out better th and, than others. But either way, I enjoy the fact that I've been forced to learn these things because, um, you know, it has made me a more thoughtful person, I think. And I think I've been able to understand others. I would agree with that. And, and increase my empathy. Because it's very easy when we have our outlook. And to not be familiar with someone else's outlook to say, well, they're objectively wrong. Yeah. And I think that makes for a great villain, by the way. Yeah. When, when you think that you are objectively right and anything that deviates from you is um, unholy and must be purged. Like, yeah, yeah, you can think you're you're great, but in someone else's view, you're pretty terrible. Yeah. Uh, just a quick list of other things that I think would be really worth studying, even as just a, hey, I'm going to spend a week thinking about this. Um, so I, I said theology, philosophy, politics. Economics is huge. You want to run a system where money exists, 
Um, if maybe you want to build a fantasy world that has an economy, understanding some basic laws of supply and demand could be helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, sociology, how we work together, anthropology, uh, psychology, occultism. I've talked about the, the tarot before on this show a little mm. bit i'd like to maybe do a deep dive on tarot some other time um but occultism is very fascinating um history we've talked about warfare and tactics oh yeah um, definitely relatable to any game that has war or fighting in oh it. yeah i mean a lot of a lot of um especially games where you're getting much closer to actual tactical war gaming and that sort of thing um real world tactics tend to at least as far as i understand and uh, have experienced they tend to carry over and translate pretty well you know if you look at real world battlefield tactics and then look Definitely. at a game representation of that usually the games that are made to you know to to create those kinds of experiences like if you're playing like a world war ii game chances are the people that made that world war ii game are trying to at least in some way simulate or at least emulate world war right if he, if he used a, a historically successful tactic in a game and it failed utterly i don't think that would be a good sign right <laughs> of, of the game design, to the right? game design yeah exactly um um so that's pretty but cool. yeah um i and i'll talk about specific titles in a sec but um here are things where i'm pretty weak is uh physics mm -hmm. biology chemistry the sciences you know we have a a, a chemistry doctor in our um <laughs> gaming group i like right away when he joined our group i started catching myself saying well this fire is green he's like in this brazier nah he's like eh, it's made of copper yep <laughs> that's only only i'm like but but magic shut up <laughs> yeah. yeah but then i started thinking twice you know like I have no idea what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, I think that's part of the reason why I don't often do sci-fi, because I feel like I need to be able to do the science jargon, and I'm not good at that. It's the force we don't have to <laughs> over-explain. You know, that. Yeah. that's uh, what they say is the difference between, they, they call it, uh, like, uh, what is it, like soft sci-fi and hard sci-fi. Hard sci-fi yeah. is where, where they typically Star will Trek. explain and, like, have yeah. at least the pseudoscience behind everything it's like oh man the physics have to check out and all this stuff instead of it's like i was like uh yeah <laughs> you know it's not my it's not my bag but you know it i did do a sort of a mass effect campaign with a guy who was a physics major mm. and that made a lot of difference yeah you i know, mean it, it it was he was able to illustrate a lot more than I could. On on the flip side, uh, like we have we have one guy in our group who uh, really loves the TV show uh, The Expanse and how yeah. how that show, even though it's sci-fi, like really takes into account the way space would mess with things like communication and and mm, travel yeah. and stuff um and the when when things do actually bother to look at the science or look at uh taking the time to explain how and why things would actually work the way they work it 
does go a long way to immersion because it does make things feel believable. Like even if you don't know all the science, it gives everything this kind of internal consistency and internal logic where you can start just looking at the world around you and going, okay, if this thing over here works like this, then I can logically infer that this thing over here might work like this. And it lets you start making deductions and um, do some critical thinking based on observation of the world and the universe around you. And some games don't have all that to to look at and to build off of. Or some GMs just don't know how to use it. Um, which is fine if you're one of them. Like, I am certainly not a scientist and I would not be the best person to do a game like that. Um, but when that kind of stuff is there, what it can bring to the table is a world that you can really that you can really believe and that you can really work in, which is very cool. Yeah. Um, so, you know, important to ground yourself. Now, we can't all just go out and uh, grab a textbook and start going right like that's going to be pretty hard. We're going to get five pages in, get bored, put it down. Right. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. So we have to find, I think, some... Well, first of all, I think you need to decide what you're curious about. What would you like to know more about? Yeah. It, you know, if it's politics, let's do politics. We don't have to do it all right now. And let's let's start some reason. And it, and it does... It should be something that you actually, in your gut, do find at least somewhat interesting. If you really feel like I have zero desire to learn about yeah. this thing it i don't want to learn about it's chemistry. not I, I, I have no no desire don't do it leave that stuff to the people who want to do that stuff who are good we're at all that. different they care about that. that's okay so i i mean i would run star wars i have run star wars sure um i would not run star trek oh yeah i would play in someone else's star trek mm -hmm. campaign because they could be the smart guy and i'll be a klingon who doesn't know about that stuff <laughs> Um, not saying there's not Klingon scientists, but mine would definitely be a Batliff guy. Oh man, I <laughs> yeah, I remember that, that's all I'm I saying. remember seeing a uh it might have been like a webcomic or something, but <laughs> where I think I think Worf was gifting his son the Batleth and then proceeded to to break down why it's like the worst design weapon in the history <laughs> of ever. <laughs> like <laughs> The practicalities of the weapon made no dang sense, and you'd like pretty easily kill yourself using the <laughs> thing. Like it's just awful across the board, but it looks freaking dope. And he's like, but he's like, what is this? Uh space orbs. Oh man, so good. Um let's see um so uh the second thing i would say is after you figure out what you're interested in learning is find an easy outlet find find yourself a gateway drug yeah uh to get easy don't start doing uh you know methamphetamine day one right i like definitely start out easy yeah 
or or drugs at all. We don't mean to advocate <laughs> drug use, hard or soft, gateway or otherwise. Inspiration Point does not does not uh, advocate the use of the use, <laughs> the, of drugs. The, the use of illegal drugs. Just say no, kids. Um. Yeah. Just, um. Okay. But <laughs> but uh, I would say that find an easy. I end. like YouTube. We we yeah find an easy in. I like YouTube. If you don't want to pick up um you know a hardcore philosophy book, you don't want to pick up Plato's Republic today. Uh, that's okay. You could watch Wisecrack. Hmm. Uh, Wisecrack is one of my favorite uh YouTube channels. It's uh, pretty popular, and they basically do film and game reviews and talk about the philosophy underlying it. Ooh. I I and didn't. It's pretty fascinating. I didn't know about those guys. I I honestly oh will well, how, probably go check them out. Have fun binging it because they're actually incredible. You're gonna learn stuff and be entertained. And that's the best kind. It's it's edutainment, if you will. <laughs> uh, I also really like Tier Zoo. Have you ever seen Tier Zoo? So Tier as in like Crying? your gear in a in a video oh, game. T I E R. Yeah, T I E R. Okay. Right, first tier, second tier, okay. and then the second word is Zoo. Z O O. Like a place where animals all one live. word or so space. That, uh, I think it's okay. one word, but I don't know. You'll just Google it; all you'll right. find it. Um, the this is more sciency. It's more about ecology and biology, which is fine. I like animals. Mm-hmm. Animals are fun. Uh, but what but what's fantastic about it is that this guy is essentially giving you like a History Channel lesson on different types of sharks or different kinds of rabbits you know or whatever hmm. but he's presenting them like it like they're part of an m like they're part of an mmo what so there are patch updates there's expansions there's metas there's like and then he puts things in tiers right hence tier zoo so you have so he a does like tier, like an s tier bunny correct I, yeah. I love this. and there, there's like videos like are humans op right <laughs> Yes. And like they talk about one of the best uh, special abilities that human took humans took was sweating. Oh right? And they explain God. how great sweating is for for uh, sustained running. Wow. Right. And so you're getting this like lesson and but it's putting it like you're playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> and sometimes I'll put in like little life bars when the animals are fighting. It's pretty oh, great. Oh, man, that sounds they, terrific. They add sound effects. Oh, yeah. I love Tier Zoo. Um, so, yeah, there's like S tier shark but also like f tier oh. shark like is that is that the so shark know, like, that has like the ones? derpy looking teeth i don't even remember yeah. they're, just, they're basically just like <laughs> oh yeah this one this sucks in the current meta he's got too many counter picks oh man don't you know don't go with that guy or this thing got nerfed in the cretaceous oh, <laughs> you know whatever it yeah. is because they talk about dinosaurs too and and uh like mastodons and stuff um so tier zoo uh here's something that i know you've seen modern history tv oh yes yes this is a bit more on the nose like you want to know what's at the dinner table in your medieval setting this guy knows it's very it's very uh at least old school history channel yeah i remember when history channel was about history and not just conspiracy theory and reality shows days those are the days you know when you learn stuff um yeah this guy is like hey here's how medieval people brush their teeth Right. That that might sound boring, but I know to some people that's like, huh, that's interesting. I can imagine you're just illustrating an NPC. You walk up to this guy. He's got a stick in his mouth. Why is he doing that? You know, or he's got to read. Yeah. Um, uh, we talked about I think we both saw the episode where they talked about accounting in the medieval yeah, era. The sticks. And they would they cut notches into sticks. So, cool. so it's like you go into the 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 keeper's house, the the, the cleric's house and 
there's all these sticks with cuts all over them, right? And then you can illustrate that. And people are like, oh, that's really interesting. And it's like, well, now that I know that, can I just decipher like how many people are in this town? Like, yeah, you could actually make a count. Um, yeah, that's a great and then, channel like, for sure. And that stuff's really cool. And it does talk about more direct things like how to don and doff armor. And, you know, could you really swing this type of sword on horseback? Oh, yeah. Um, so there's really cool stuff. Um, alternate history hub, I think is fantastic for giving you ideas. Uh, this, this channel, uh, uses little cartoons to illustrate what might've happened. Let's say if the civil war was, was, uh, won by the South, right. And like, how would that look in, in 2020? Oh, that's that, something I'd rather that, not. That sounds like about. a great idea for a setting. Yeah. Right. I mean, one, uh, one, one that, uh, that I think we, that you see a lot is, um, if the outcome of world war two was different, like oh, man yeah. in the high castle oh, yeah. is, is definitely a really good show as based. Yeah. On and you've got basically if Germany won and it's got like, like yeah. Hitler himself is in the white house and everything up until like uh, the far Midwest, like, you know, you get into like Oklahoma, Nebraska, the Rockies. Yeah. And the territory is like shared by the Japanese and there's like this neutral zone. That's the neutral zone. And um, then the Japanese have the West Coast. They're the, the Pacific yes. states. And it's it's a it's a trip. Alternate histories like that are, are can be super fascinating. You know, it, it's this concept of the butterfly effect, yep. right? If I just change one thing, like, what are the implications? I mean, you think about this, like, two world wars were essentially started because of one assassination. <sighs> you know, and it, like, let's just go back in time, you know, let's quantum leap back there and just change that moment and how history would have been so different. Right. And and what's right. what's really what's really mind boggling is when you you know, when you think about that and you go, Okay, if we stop this one bad thing from happening, the initial kind of knee jerk assumption is, Oh, everything would just be good, but it could no. actually <laughs> yeah. It could it could actually it be could worse. Be worse. <laughs> and then you think about like, oh, everything yeah. that happened in World War Two is bad as it was how in the world could it have been worse and like you know trying to do the thought exercise of kind of extrapolating that and thinking about where things could go if you make that <laughs> it can even get pretty ridiculous yeah. like maybe mankind prospers too well so the neighboring alien race decides <laughs> to invade right? serves like, us right well unfortunately the death of baby hitler did bring about mankind's utopia Un Wait, unfortunately what? what do you mean unfortunately <laughs> there's this unfortunately there's this thing called cause and effect and you know in my fictional world here's what happened yeah. um <laughs> so that might be stretching Hitler, it out, but Hitler it's, kept a, it's a us funny off thought. the alien radar <laughs> that's right that's that that's those guys down there a film theory that's a dang mess we don't want any part of that <laughs> yeah they just drove right by yep, still in the dumpster fire <laughs> moving on Jeez. <laughs> on. yeah they're not gonna be converting their population to pure energy anytime soon you don't want no part of this <laughs> let's come back in fifty thousand years and see if anything's improved the fire's just bigger oh man that was actually a fascinating uh i don't know if you ever saw like 
like love death and robots on Netflix. I saw a good um, chunk of it. There was one where there was this like universe in someone's freezer. Yeah. That was was like one of my favorites and it would like start over every day throughout its entire history. Oh, that, yeah, that was a trip and a half, dude. I, I like that yeah. one. Um there were some really good ones. Yeah, there really were. Uh, the the last channel I was gonna recommend is Primer, and listen, there's a billion channels out there I could talk oh, about sure. uh, that are that are great, but I really like Primer because um, this one's a little bit drier than some of the others, but um, but I like it because it's basically this guy running simulations using these little blobs, and he gets these these little blob characters to follow certain rules, and it's simulation and he does experiments with things like uh natural selection hmm. um like can i like is altruism a desirable trait for natural selection like that's a really interesting idea right so if i don't make every blob just aggressive and a conqueror but if i make some of my blobs um basically doves and hawks hmm. you know how high of a chance do the doves have to um be successful to pass on their genes huh and and then he'll he'll look at the flaws in his own logic and he'll tweak the simulation and he'll run it again and he'll and he'll do it over and over and it's really fascinating to see the results. Uh, he does like economic systems. He does evolution. Um, there's a lot of uh, things he does. So I would check out Primer. Very cool. Um, so anyway, that's just a quick list of what is that? Five things. I think so. Five channels I know about. And then once you get done learning about those, oh, there's also I guess I would say um, the School of Life videos. The, they're more direct instruction, but they give you like little tastes of various, let's say, philosophers or philosophies mm. of you know political ideologies, economic ideas, like little 10, 15 minute videos where they just like here's everything about Machiavelli we know. Oh, and pretty bite. And then like, yeah, it's very bite sized. There's fun graphics to look at. They look cool. Um, it's also a crash course. I'm sure you've seen I those. Think John I, Green. I think I may have. Um, so those are great because let's say you find that interesting. You're like, oh, that's cool. Uh, I'd like to know more about Machiavelli. Cool. Now you can read The Prince. Right. right. And by the way, The Prince isn't very long. Hmm. You know, now it might take you a minute because you're going to have to get through some of the language mm. and you may need to look some of this stuff up. But hey, man, you got a little, no shame in looking up some spark notes. Right. And then once you get through it, you're like, wow, look at me. I read The Prince. I understand a little bit of Machiavelli. I am now ready to like run a uh, uh, a pretty cool uh, little society run by monarchs. Right. Mm. I'm ready to do some political machinations. I'm ready to do some backstabbing. I'm ready to do a little bit of Game of Thrones now. Yeah. By the way, Game of Thrones itself, you know what it's based on, right? Yeah. It's the uh, the War of the Roses, yeah. right? Correct, yeah. yeah. The the um Lancasters and the mm. Yorks. Um Yeah, L Lannister and... was a, was a very man, he he really uh went far afield from for that name. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're not big stretches. But part of what really works about his writing is that everything's very plausible yeah, very. and so we go and why is it plausible because it's happened because yep. <laughs> yep. that literally happened uh in fact i saw a lot of prediction videos originally that said sansa was gonna sit on the mm -hmm. throne because people felt she was so similar to elizabeth and and i thought i buy that yeah, yeah i could see and, and the way i thought it was going with the show was that that's the way it was gonna end mm -hmm. 
It's not the way it ended. Although it didn't totally not end that way. Um, I was glad to see Sansa getting some power. Um, But anyway, I thought that was a big reason why he was so successful and and resonating so much with everyone because George Martin does his homework. So a couple of books, just quick recommendations on books and I'll wrap it up. Uh, Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt. Um, If you want something a little heavier, Leviathan by Thomas Hobbes. So you can learn about the uh, nature of government. I would also couple that with two treatises of government by John Locke. I would study the philosophy of both of those men, Hobbes and Locke, to understand governments, Mm. where they come from and where the power of legitimacy comes from. I would recommend The Prince by uh, Niccolo Machiavelli. I would also recommend The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Also not very long. You can read it in basically passages like you might for the Bible. Mm. Um, By the way, also would recommend The Bible. Highly recommend reading it. Very popular book. Highly recommend. Yes, it has sold a few copies. Uh, If you don't own one, uh, next time you go to a hotel, it's there. And I say that as a person who uh, is less believing, you might say. Uh, But I I think uh, just about anyone would find value in it. Uh, If you want to understand something about the human condition, it's a pretty good resource. But I would also recommend other holy books. Um, But some of these can be, I mean, the Bible's a thick read. So maybe uh, start with a few key sections first. uh, There's a lot going on. You could probably skip Chronicles. (laughs) Um, uh, Let me see. Uh, I really like um, Alexander Solzhenitsyn's Man, that's a uh, name. Day in the Life. I know. A Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich. Um, Honestly, I I could could really go on (laughs) and on. Um, I'm trying to think of smaller books. I know I did just recommend the Bible, which is not small. But um, I would recommend um, at least starting easy. And then if you want, if you like Henry Hazlitt, for instance, then you can move on to Thomas Sowell or somebody else. Very Um, cool. And you can start start getting your big boy pants on. And hey, you know what? Uh, maybe you don't become an economist. Maybe you don't become a sociologist. Maybe you don't become a politician. But you know a thing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you definitely get to walk away from it, you know, feeling pretty accomplished. So um, just to close that up, that whole idea, ground your designs in reality. It's a very, it's a very, very good idea have you know always have reference base base your ideas on something anything really just have have something where you're coming from because it'll it'll help hold up whatever it is that you're creating very very good inspiration point man thank you for that that was very cool thanks thanks yeah um hopefully some of these lessons have translated into the game I'm running. And I know sometimes you find them a little obnoxious. I would (laughs) never say that to your face. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I guess the only other thing I would add is try to avoid some preachiness because as you learn things, you'll probably develop opinions. And I, I have, I have strong opinions and anyone that knows me pretty much knows where I stand on things. I'm not a closed book by any means but i don't want to politicize this podcast but i will say that while i like to present my argument in game form i also like to present its own counter arguments Mm -hmm. and i think that's also important i have 
certain things I believe, and I will illustrate that through characters and locations, but I will also illustrate their weaknesses. And I think that's important for self-reflection as yeah, well. It is. Is that I think the moment that you start to believe you have all the answers, um, I think you're about to take a dark yeah. turn. I, I think that also just comes with getting older too. Because I'll tell you what, man, the, That's true. the older I get, the more I realize I don't know. And I, I mean, some people hate that, but I, I actually kind of find a bit of comfort and peace in that. It's like, you know what? I don't know. And that's okay. I can't know everything. So you just no. do the best you can with what you got and try, yeah. try to learn at least a little more and, you know, try to improve at least a tiny bit every day, you know, that uh, at least make your bed, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I, I would say don't end your education. Like the day you get your diploma does not mean you no longer have to keep learning, yeah. right? Especially if you got a diploma and from art school. <laughs> <laughs> then, you, then you need to start learning. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I don't... Oh, you gotta... I had a couple of really excellent high school teachers and i had a lot that were not yeah you know and you got to educate yourself i mean today it's easier now than it than it ever has oh, been yeah. we really don't have any more excuse yep um sometimes you just gotta make it happen i mean it's like prepping a game it's like you don't want to you'd rather do other things prepping isn't the most fun that you're ever gonna have but you gotta do it because you want the pleasure of running a successful game you want people to go man that was fun yeah and so you also want to be able to look at yourself and say, you know what? I read a hard book today. Yeah, That's pretty that cool. That is. I'm going to implement something I learned into my awesome D&D &D or otherwise hobby. That is. That is very cool. So uh, how about you, Andrew? What are you thinking about this week? Uh, you know, we were. When we, what is your inspiration point? When we were. I got to stay on brand. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we do. Uh, <laughs> before Before the show we were pinging each other back and forth and you you were throwing some ideas at me and stuff you were like what if what if you went for something like whimsical and fun you know quintessentially because i was about to say do your homework right i was about to be yeah, that guy um but i uh i i went i think the utterly opposite direction <laughs> I I had some ideas for tonight and then uh definitely took a hard hard turn. Um what I want to talk about is terror. <laughs> oh, okay. Terror. Terror, fear, okay. horror in in okay. RPGs and at yeah. at the table. For me, that's it never translates. You know, I like you're never you're never ever. scared. And I'm you no. know, I'm I'm sitting here like I I want to immerse myself. I want to believe it. And at the same time, like yeah. if I if I'm told like, OK, you you know, you failed this wisdom saving throw. Your character is yeah. frightened. They're terrified of what they're seeing. I'll play into it. But myself, on a gut level, me, Andrew, I am not feeling not a sense afraid. of fear. I started I started thinking about this and wondering, like, okay. Am I just not afraid of stuff? Well, in, <laughs> and in general, I'm, I'm typically not a person who is afraid of many things. Uh, I, I, I tend to 
kind of look straight at the thing and go, okay, like what's, you know, it is, How do I it solve is the what it is, you know, let's not yeah. waste time going, oh no, it's got yeah, 17 I'll, I'll, eyes. I'll say, <laughs> like, oh, oh no. no, yeah, that's not, it's not it a great. see me better. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll admit that horror is not my thing. I don't watch horror films. I don't either. Um, I haven't studied enough psychology to understand fear that mm-hmm. well um so if i run a monster and it says it has a fear ability i'll, I'll use it and i'll say well it yells loud yeah that's that's pretty scary <laughs> <laughs> and no. uh then i go well the anyway your character is afraid now and then yeah you're like okay sure. yeah and <laughs> so what does that mean i get like a minus one or something? right right and you just kind of move past it Anyway, yeah, well, anyway, moving but on. But I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, like, okay, when it comes to a tabletop RPG, one of the best things that a GM can do, one of the most satisfying things uh-huh. that a GM can do is to evoke a, a, a genuine emotional response. Like, you've talked about several times where you've actually made a player cry and it's like the best feeling in the world for you. Yeah, well, not like sob, but like to feel moved. Yeah. That's yeah, what I mean. absolutely. Um, but the, yeah, those are emotions I am more familiar with, and I have explored yeah. more. So the first thing that I looked into was the definition of terror and the definition of horror, because they are two different things and mm, okay but by the way do you do you have you ever made a character or a player afraid oh heck no this and <laughs> oh, this okay. is this is something that that i'm very curious about because oh, because okay. i want because i i haven't felt it but i believe that it's mm. possible to do right. and i also think that there are a lot of gms who want to do it who wish they could do it but aren't quite sure how to do it Mm -hmm. so the definition of terror terror is basically the anticipation that's essentially what it boils down to Mm. when you feel that sense of foreboding or you feel like something's coming and there's that uncertainty horror on the other hand is the feeling of revulsion in reaction to something so horror is what happens when or after the thing happens terror is what comes right. before that's an important mm-hmm. distinction um and i it kind of makes diablo make more sense in a way because you spend the entire game anticipating yep. fighting yeah. him although i'm not sure that that's what they thought of well it it, it may but be maybe. um but i i really think at least from from my gut level in a tabletop rpg it's much easier to lean into terror than it is horror Mm, yeah because i'd I'd probably agree with that because if you're all you typically have is your words and that's where everything's going to come from so but horror writers exist yes they definitely do and so what i i googled around and i found this post on rpg stack exchange um and so i'm gonna basically kind of go over this answer that uh that this guy gave because he had some pretty good 
point. Um, the first thing he mentioned was show, don't tell. Never, never oh, say sure. it looks scary, and even less, it's scary because just describe it describe the scary parts right, just yeah um he says describe the unnatural aspect of it but without saying how unnatural it is people tend to feel stronger about a conclusion they've reached by themselves than something you told them the less you say the better it is that makes sense and he puts okay. a little example after all these and his example is the little girl turns toward you, her eyes silently weeping blood. She lifts a hand towards you, and you can hear in the silence of the room her bones break during the process. Like, he's describing the scene, you're getting the senses, what you're seeing, what you're hearing, but he's not telling you this freaks you out, or you hear it in an eerie way, or, you know, he's just giving you the facts and letting you kind of process it however it is you want so that i think is a great first step just you know the less you're narrating and saying this is really scary takes away from it um yeah i agree this next um go ahead sorry oh i, I guess i would just say maybe it, you know maybe if you're it's not the focus you know maybe you could make it brief that'd be oh fine. sure um you know if you're not I guess playing into horror as a design choice, then you don't need to. But then I might ask, well, should you even include something that's like right. that? Then, like, do you want to make sure that that's not? There? Yeah, like if you're um, putting it in, why are you putting like, it in? Maybe don't run Cthulhu. Sure. Um, you know, like I have a, I, I've run a Cthulhu esque antagonist, mm -hmm. uh, but he was not really that similar to you know what Lovecraft would have imagine right. um you know he's based on other things yeah so um he was meant to to illustrate different things so i but then again it's like all right but if, if i do play into a horrifying monster then i you know i should probably choose like uh, is this important to me and if not then maybe i just do something different. right exactly okay well anyway what's the next rule people are scarier than monsters that's true yeah he says two reasons for this one First, humans can be a lot more sneaky and cruel and evil than whatever ancient one is out there. He doesn't need to give examples, but people out there do really messed up stuff. Blah, 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 blah. Evil monsters just want to... Yeah, Ramsey Bolton. Yeah. He's like, evil monsters just want to steal your soul and torture it for so eternity. Meh. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he said the second reason is that at the end of the day, monsters are just that monsters. They can have 20 tentacles and be in 17 dimensions and a half. Just close a book and they're not there. People are real and you will have to be with a dozen of them in your subway trip back home. The best and worst feelings you will ever have in your life will be caused by someone else people are powerful emotion makers use them which i thought that that was extremely extremely compelling and and i think that that's something that we run into like you know you have the great old one or you have the you know a gibbering mouther and all this stuff and <laughs> right, i know that's your favorite <laughs> Or like a Globrezu. Like, yeah. you know what's interesting about the Globrezu is that it's like kind of dopey looking mm -hmm. in a way. It's kind of stupid. But if described right, it could be pretty horrifying. Right. You know, like I think it would actually be scarier without a picture. Really? Because it's got like 
little T-Rex yeah. arms and it's got the like big crab hands. Like it's kind of yeah. funny. Yeah. You know? And then Alfeshni's got like man boobs. Yeah. And pig face. Yeah. But I think if you were to describe it right, it would be scarier than its illustrations have been. Yeah. And and I think well this kind of goes to an idea I had that was in my head even before I read these articles and was simply the the principle that what people are most afraid of is what they don't understand. It's it's what you don't know. So that Oh, so for you it's politics. Right. It's horrifying. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's anything that where you, you don't have the answer when a kid is scared of something in the dark, they turn the light on so they can see once you can see it's not so scary. Once, once you, once I can see the monster, I know the monster. I, it's right there. I can appreciate it. Now I can see how big it is. I can see what direction it's coming from. I know it, you know, when it makes a sound, that sort of stuff. If I'm stuck out in the woods and I hear weird freaking sounds and that's it, I don't know what's making the sound. Sometimes it's very hard to tell where the sound's coming from. I don't know if it's a good sound or a bad sound. Like, and the things you don't know leads your own brain to mm, start coming yeah. up with all kinds of stuff. And nothing knows how to mess with you better than your own freaking brain. Yeah, there's actually a lot of truth to that. A lot of people will report having seen uh, supernatural mm -hmm. things. And a lot of times it is derived from brains filling in gaps. Yeah. You you hear a sound uh, that makes you think that you've heard a devil of some sure. kind or some kind of monster. And it turns out it's a type of bird. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's the actually a moment described in a Richard Dawkins mm. book. Um, and there, you know, there have been people that have seen faces of evil creatures that turned out to be folded clothes, like oh yeah, after the fact reflections of light. Because when we see something, um, we're actually getting our brain's trans translation of what yeah. we see. I mean, heck, we're not actually truly seeing things ha as they objectively yeah. are when we look at things. And that's a freaking trip and a half to really think about. <laughs> like, when I look at the door to my office, if you were in here, would you be seeing exactly the same door I'm seeing like that? I mean, really, to experiment yeah. with this, just go just go outside with a friend or you know anyone and go go uh look at clouds and see what shapes you see in the clouds and you know you might say oh you know there's a turtle and someone would be like i see abraham lincoln's face <laughs> like you know it it can that, that's true it can but especially in the dark oh, or yeah. in a dangerous situation and like you know when you hear that rustle in the oh. grass and you jump well congratulations that is a trait you inherited from an ancestor and it's the reason that's you're here. right because he was right you look a little silly but <laughs> that was a thing that kept yep. him alive and not the other exactly guy. You know, and courage uh, will get you and killed. It's because <laughs> don't be a hero. <laughs> courage will get you killed. Yeah, it's probably a bird. Well, this time it wasn't. <laughs> so yeah. that to me is one of the biggest ones. And I think that that can translate into RPGs 
big time is having your characters in a situation where you have very little information. Like, mm. you know, once the monster is a token on a map in front of you, that's not yeah, freaking scary. Yeah, you might be afraid for the survival of your character right. and the death of your story, but that's not the same as right. horror. Right. So that to me is very interesting. Yeah. Is there an inherent disadvantage to visual aid? Like, is horror best done via theater of the mind? In I, your opinion? Honestly, I think it I think it definitely could be. There have actually been times I, I think I've even talked to you about this in the past that I've found myself at times wishing that we would use maps and stuff that are less detailed because yeah. it basically tells my imagination eh, take a break you're not needed this is it mm -hmm. and i don't and then i don't need to engage my imagination or my brain as much as i otherwise would have and it can almost take away from my engagement because my brain doesn't have to do as much i can just look at it and go okay there's a rock there there's a building there there's you know okay done and you know yeah. it, it even it even is lit for me so i don't even have to imagine like oh there's torches flickering or there's you know all this stuff but on the flip side when you're playing a game that uses you know tactical positioning and stuff theater of the mind is trash for that so it maybe the trick is to keep the curtain closed and use simple visuals until the moment we're yeah begins. yeah and maybe yeah i would say i i think that that's really good um so yeah i think um i think playing with the unknown is is really great and what's nice actually about a tabletop rpg in that respect is the fact that typically you're only using narration and the lack of visuals and the fact that you don't have these huge cinematics or all these things to do it you're playing into the system all you you inherently have a lack of information so you use that lack of information and go okay i'm only gonna give you this little bit and i'm gonna let you kind of jump to some conclusions maybe or yeah i definitely remember those chemistry tests and feeling like the lack of information was definitely quite right? terrifying <laughs> it, it definitely <laughs> it definitely works um so another uh another point he's got on here is unexpectedness and suddenness he said this one is especially true in rpgs hi everyone andrew here at this point in the show adam decided he would shout at me very loudly we decided it would be best to cut it so that nobody would crash their cars or have any anxieties triggered. Join us to see what happens next. Oh, <laughs> crap. That actually... Did I oh, actually get you? <laughs> oh, I, I hate you so much. Don't cut that out. That's I will, gold. I'll leave it. Oh. Oh, man. You know what's weird? Is I heard it, and I got freaked out like a couple beats later it wasn't like it immediately oh. when i hear when i heard it and that is something that has happened to me many 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 times when i was a kid <laughs> like 
I side story here. When I when I was a kid, I went over to my to my buddy's house and I think like we must have been maybe middle school or younger. And I was mm-hmm. in his living room walking back towards his kitchen and there's like a back hallway with steps going upstairs and the steps to to get to the steps you're walking through kind of a a doorway so the steps themselves are blocked off by the living room's wall so anyone on the steps you can't see them so my buddy had like I hadn't seen where he'd gone and he had gone up the stairs and was waiting on the stairs. And as I was coming, he jumps out from the stairway into the doorway and goes, or whatever the hell. And I sat there looking at him after having heard the sound for probably a good five seconds and then got freaked out. And I don't know what yeah, like a yeah. delayed reaction. And it happens to me all the time. Like, I don't know <laughs> what that is. Like, even after the fact, I'm like, why genes. was I not scared right away? <sighs> like See, your ancestor was being chased by something that was fairly slow. <laughs> so it even though it was coming for him, he was like, Oh crap, I better oh. run. And then it was it was it was good. Oh enough. my god. You don't have to be optimal to survive. You just have to be good enough to live long enough to reproduce. That's all. I'm I'm glad I I am not working with optimal genes. That uh... by the way, it, 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 I'm not either. But anyway, like nobody is. Nobody is. None of us were uh, mortal. So yeah. Well, you said I'd never scared you before, so you I know, had to do it. It's uh, it's a first time for me. Even if it was a cheap jump I, scare, I hate cheap jump scares. But speaking of cheap jump scares, back to the point we were talking about, unexpectedness and suddenness says <laughs> this one is especially true in RPGs. Rampant fear and ambient fear are really difficult to achieve as players will naturally adopt strategies to yeah. fight it. They'll make jokes, focus on something else, stop paying attention. Mm, yeah. You know, Very and we've true. all done it. He said this. Very true. And then he says in bold italics, this isn't a bad thing. This is what scared people do in real life, mm. which is very interesting. He says, but that is you will have more, quote, satisfying results if you use an unexpected slash sudden trigger. If possible, in a somewhat stressful situation, almost relaxed, you will cause a peak of fear without any time for your players to adopt any strategy to compensate. Set up a stressful situation and drop just one element, see show don't tell, that changes everything, making the situation very dangerous. And the example here is pretty interesting. Torches in hand, you arrive close from where your daughter is tied. Spots of blood on her white dress. She looks unconscious. That's when the smell hits you. The floor of the pitch black room is not covered in water. Your daughter is not covered in water. Gasoline. Which is, that's like, 
you're already in a tense situation and you think that you are starting to get a read on things and then one unexpected detail pops out and all of a sudden everything changes for the worse. You know what's funny about that? My my first reaction was to make a joke about it. Yeah. <laughs> But since you had already called me out, I was like, well, I, I, I can't do it. Otherwise, I, I'm, I'm admitting. There you feeling. go. There you go. <laughs> and it's uh, that that I think is something. I mean, I, I know we overuse the word interesting, but it but it really is that you've got you've got these situations that you you think you know until you realize you don't and once you realize you don't know the i the the simple fact that you don't know makes you start questioning other things it makes you go okay you know what what's actually going on am i missing anything else um and it the 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 element of the unknown or the newly revealed details and what they mean is can make so much difference uh and i i think like like in this example you know he's He's simply talking about what what you're seeing or what you're sensing, what you're smelling. But he's yeah, right. Senses. But he's not telling you how you feel. But he's telling you your daughter is there unconscious, and she and the room are covered in gas. That right there is enough to make you go, "Oh God, the danger here." is so much bigger than than I thought it was. She's in terrible danger. And I mean especially for for you and me because we have kids. We have daughters very specifically. The idea of them being in in any kind of danger, let alone that kind of danger is horrifying and it's that's something and i think we do relate like when we see or hear about those situations we do relate them to our real life yes. counterparts right you know that rela that relatability yep. yeah i might say um so yeah i think that that's uh important by the way I, I gave you guys a questionnaire this yes week you did because i'm going to start running storm king's thunder and i wanted to know how you know what kind of content you didn't want mm -hmm. to experience and one of the first things on that list was, you know, danger mm -hmm. to children, you know, uh, implied or yeah. otherwise, um, it, it, which is not a, not one of my favorite things to yeah. run. Um, if I ever include children at all, it's usually going to end up being like touching or funny, yeah. right? It's like even even when I had the furbolgs kidnap that child yeah in the in the in that other campaign uh he the kid was never in mortal danger right per se. although you guys didn't know yeah. that and i mean it but but right there that's actually a decent you know maybe maybe unintentional but uh at least tangentially related uh example to this sort of thing we knew that the furbolgs had this kid we didn't know what they were doing with him we know we knew that he was prisoner and we had a pretty clear idea that he probably wasn't thrilled with the situation and we were at right. that point relatively unfamiliar with the furbolgs and at least to the extent of like how they do things so we were we were worried 
for him. And we're like, you know, God, if if we don't go get him, what could happen? And I mean, if if it if the kid was like maybe directly related to one of us or, you know, if if that if that bond that we had to the person who was captured was even a bit more intimate or uh, closely related than they were the feelings that we that we had relating to the situation that 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 kid was in might have even been stronger yeah so you're saying that the secret ingredient is love i mean <laughs> that i can get more out more fear out of you by threatening that which yeah, you love exactly good to know you know find find what find what people <laughs> care about and threaten it real bad <laughs> real real bad um uh, can't wait till people do uh outtakes of this show and uh, uh, share what we say out of context it's gonna be oh <sighs> yeah um but yeah that's a that's a good point um especially when you're playing characters that some classes at certain levels become literally fearless um and a lot of players no matter what you tell them their conditions are are not going to act afraid well and i think i think that this is one of those things where you need to approach this from a meta perspective you can't you're not going to mm. scare the character. You need to scare the player. You you need mm. to play on what you know about that person and go, I'm going to give you an experience and and know that like mm-hmm. if you show me the monster or if you go this monster makes a scary noise, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm sure he does. Like, you know, it just that will not emotionally affect me. But if you go, you know, you're in the woods, it's dark you don't have any of your gear and you start hearing some weird noises and they're getting closer and the trees are too dense for you to run what do you do like you know that sort of thing very clearly like one it almost and i'm not a person who is claustrophobic but it that sort of scene kind of makes you feel that way it goes you if you try to get away you know at best the the going is slow and you can't see or can't see very well at least you don't know what's moving around out there but you know something's coming your way you know and you know maybe you throw in like a scream or you know or maybe you don't because maybe a scream would be kind of on the nose and you just go mm, maybe yeah. you just go you don't know you just you hear sound coming towards you yeah i see sh- shows do that a lot they build up the suspense and the tension and then it's yep. no big deal so that they but they know what they're doing they know that they're yep. playing with you well and then there's also you know. this this technique um that i'm sure all of us have seen used in one way or another you get to these um you get into these scenes where this tension is built up, this tension's built up, this tension's built up, and then they turn the corner and it's a bunny. Or, you know, it, it turns yeah. out, oh, yeah. it was it was just this little harmless thing all along. And then the big thing hits. Right, yeah, the, the, old, the old switcheroo. switcheroo. Um, uh, are there any more rules? That, then it gets uh, just down to the summary and he just says, use humans as often as possible. Never say something is scary. Let the players reach that conclusion themselves. Switch as fast as possible from this is kind of bad, but will be a lot worse if 
to complete sentence plus you know, deer in headlights face laugh maniacally. It, it strikes me that the rules that he is applying to horror could work for most emotions. You know, like if a, if, a, if you're supposed to be attracted to a woman, right? If she's mm-hmm. beautiful, your character sees, you know, a character that it, he could be interested in mm. romantically, you know, saying, you see the most beautiful chick ever. Her hair's like sick. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> you know, not very sure. effective, right? As opposed to, you know, starting to describe her skin and her lips and, mm-hmm. you know, the way the light gl- you know, glistens through her hair. You know, that could be uh, very yeah. similar, right? Yeah. So it, probably a lot of those rules you could, um, <laughs> you know, you, when you were talking about anticipation, I was like, it's also true for yeah, love scenes. That's true. Right? That's very true. Um, you know, or surprises or, you know, schadenfreude. You mm. know, these are a lot of different emotions that we can feel and, you know, even more intently through through anticip- anticipating them as opposed to actually experiencing yeah. them, you know? Uh, so I think this person is better describing how to deliver emotion. That that's a, that's, that's a really good point and a really good observation. Um, and they, they've got a, they've got a good sense for this kind of thing. Um, so just so anyone can look this up, the link is RPG dot stack exchange dot com slash questions slash two one nine six one slash how can I invoke actual fear in my players? And those words are all separated with a little hyphen dash. Um I know it's a long link, but if you take the time to punch that in, um or probably if you just Google how can I invoke actual fear in my players? You will probably just get pointed straight at this. Um, but it's a mm-hmm. it's a great little article. Um, it got it was it was the question was asked seven and a half years ago. It was active for about four years ago, and this thing's been viewed thirteen thousand times. And it's got like I think sixty seven upvotes. It's a it's a pretty great it's a pretty great little little article and there's more stuff out there. Um, I was looking at yeah, I I like that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um, and I thought you know those are some some really good rules. Uh, to to share and you know like horror is not something I I often explore. me either. I I um, but it, you know if I want to now I know yeah, some good rules. I I just uh I just recently uh, I want to say Sunday night maybe. Um, I watched the first episode of Lovecraft Country on HBO. Um, and one thing that was that was really pretty amazing and and definitely intentional in this show is um, the main characters are all African American and they're going through uh, basically Jim Crow America and they are going through some areas that are pretty kind of deep southy um and they run across some very racist people and get into some pretty racist situations and then later in the show they start dealing with more monstery kind of stuff um and what was pretty amazing was that the racist people were far far more horrifying and 
scary than the monsters. And the monsters were not, like, goofy or badly done or anything like that. Like, they were freaking legit. But the people were just hideous in every mm-hmm. sense of the phrase like i yeah i'm sure that's intentional too right to yep. like to like illustrate the fear that that person might be might be feeling yeah. right and uh and you illustrate it through the monster in fact uh the entire monster in the room um film yep. type uh story type is based uh, not just around there being a big monster, but what that monster represents, yep. right? Which is some sort of societal yep. sin. And so, like, racism is an yep. easy uh, choice to base a monster off of, because yeah. it is monstrous. And and I think, um, for me, having the, uh, just the, like, as, as a full disclosure, very white guy, you know. Uh, I don't think you needed <laughs> to tell anyone. <laughs> a, you know, a, a straight white male in cis white scum in you know in today's america i mean same but um you know sometimes it it can be hard for me to to really really wrap my head around what certain other people deal with because it's those aren't experiences that i've had and so is it helpful to have a tentacle monster to illustrate it oh no, it was it was more that see the the show itself did an amazing job of putting me in the shoes of the main characters and feeling the terror and the horror that they were mm-hmm. feeling from these people you know what when you look at game of thrones i never found the white walkers particularly right. terrifying but ramsey snow bet. that and what's interesting they both had a scenario where they had a child in their yep. possession right and i was much more afraid and for good reason yep. it turned out when uh yep. when ramsey had it yeah um because he was at he actually was worse than the white oh, walker <laughs> by a lot uh Joffrey was also pretty scary in his own right, even though he was a little yeah. twerp. He was a little twerp with a lot of horrifying power at his yeah. disposal. And I mean, and with um, that, Joffrey, Joffrey is a great representation of that anticipation, terror. Like, mm-hmm. like when he yeah. does something messed. I mean, still so is Ramsey. Yeah, for that matter. absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, when he does something messed up. Yeah, it's freaking bad and it sucks. But there's always the lingering idea of but is he what else might he do? Is he gonna one up this? Is he gonna make it freaking worse? Where's this guy's line? Where's it stop? Does it stop? You know, where could where might this go? And that that's a it's a very scary scary thing to think about. Um Mm -hmm. so so that's fun. (laughs) That's fun. Uh, thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> um, but I, I think I, I've always thought that you know one of the one of the best things that we can get out of these games that we play and these experiences that we're trying to have are are when we can emotionally connect to them because that's that's really kind of where the truth of the experience is. When you feel a genuine emotional reaction to something that's happening in the game, that right there is where the immersion has happened. Mm -hmm. When you feel it in your gut, you're immersed. That's how you really, really know. And it's and it's hard to do. That's not 
a place that everyone can get to. That's not something that every GM can deliver. And that doesn't mean that you're a bad GM. But if you can do it, that's the peak. Yeah, it it can be especially difficult to uh, improv. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like in the moment. Yeah, I'll, Um, I'll wing it. You know, but my winging it always goes to comedy and it goes to being goofy. Um, you know, that might be one place where the visual aid helps. Like maybe you put it on the GM layer if you're on roll 20 mm. or something or have the picture up in another window so that you can look at something and describe it, uh, even though they don't actually see the sure. visual aid. That might that might be a, a, yeah. a trick. Yeah. To try. Yeah. Maybe I'll try it. I'm for that matter. And I think I think this especially you know, like we said, when you're dealing with a, a tabletop situation where tactics factor in and at some point visuals do need to come into things and positioning matters and all that stuff, um, it can be a bit of a tightrope to walk where, you know, you got to balance, you know, what things are fine just being described, what things are actually better just being described and what things do you do you practically speaking need to see in order for things to function smoothly because there are some things where you just gotta see it or people are just gonna get in a mess and um you know you you still want to you want to avoid confusion except for in the places where you want the confusion right Mm, man that's a good distinction another thing we need to describe is the end of this podcast (laughs) yeah (laughs) we do so this is the end of the podcast this is what the end of the podcast looks like our uh, our topics have completed and you are now (laughs) a better person for having heard them (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) thank you for giving us your time (laughs) we love you all um find us on social media facebook twitter um and you know google us you'll find us and uh until next time stay inspired be excellent to hey each other. i like that i like that <laughs> bill and ted just came out all so right yeah. i i wanted i may go watch that but uh, <laughs> see you later see you later everybody <laughs>